good to see some other folks uh, 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 have come in and, and hopefully you've been able to, to enter into the spirit of, of, of the meeting. If you've just been rushing in, we've just been taking that time to, to come into God's presence, to focus on him and now to think about his word and we'll continue to seek him through his word. And we put out on Facebook, that, um, if you can bring your Bible with your notepad, please do that because we, we want to share God's word on Wednesday nights and there might be something, a scripture or a thought or a truth that just really resonates with you. And sometimes it's good just to write those things down so we can take them home, meditate on them and learn from them. So if you have a, a Bible there, we're going to read a, a familiar passage of Scripture. It's, it's Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17, and we're going to read verses 8 through to 13. Exodus 17, verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they, Aaron and Hur, took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Amen. And, and we know that God will add his blessing to that reading from his word. An incredible story, one, one I'm sure we're, we're all very familiar with. The Amalekites come and they, they want to fight the Israelites. Moses tells Joshua, choose your, your best fighting men and go and fight, and I will watch from the hilltop, which immediately sounds like a bit of a cop-out until we read that Moses was going up the hill with a great purpose. He was going up the hill with a great purpose. The war starts, and, and, and Moses was on the hill with Aaron and Hur. Every time he held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, started to win. Every time his hands got sore and fell down, they started to lose. So Aaron and her, hey, we all need Aaron and hers in our lives to lift up our hands before God. So Aaron and her got a large stone, support his arms, and the Israelites defeated Amalek. It's an amazing story, uh, and it introduces our, our topic tonight, intercession. Intercession. It's a an interesting word, and there, there are a few definitions. Some people say that intercession means to stand in the gap for others as we pray. Other people say that intercession is positioning ourselves between two parties, one who has a problem and the other who has the answer. Positioning ourselves between two parties one who has a problem and the other who has the answer. Some have, have described intercession as a triangle of prayer 
one person going to another person on behalf of a third person. Moses stood in the gap. He positioned himself between the children of Israel who were in a battle and God. He interceded, which is what we're going to do together tonight. And, and scripture is riddled with examples of, of this prayer triangle. In Genesis 18, God was going to destroy Sodom. But Abraham pleaded with God for that city. He said, God, if I can find 50 righteous people in Sodom, will you relent? And he pleaded with God 45, 40, 35, all the way down to 10 people. And every time God heard his prayer, heard his intercession and, and said that he would relent. But inevitably, there weren't even 10 people and the city was destroyed. But Abraham was an example of someone who stood in the gap. We've already mentioned Moses and there are so many examples in scripture of Moses and his intercession. In Exodus 32, Moses was up on Mount Sinai getting the 10 commandments in his first journey up. And seeing that he was away for a long time, the people turned from God and made this golden calf so that they could worship it. And God knew this, of course, because he knows everything. And he, he said to Moses, I have seen this people and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone. Leave me alone so that my fierce anger may burn hot against them. God was going to destroy them, but Moses interceded. He positioned himself between their idolatry and God. And the Bible says he pleaded with God not to destroy them. And God relented. In the New Testament, Herod had just killed the apostle James. And he saw how it pleased the people, so he put Peter in prison. But Acts 12 verse 5 says that constant prayer was offered up to God for Peter by the church. We were meeting together like we're meeting tonight to pray. Corporate prayer is very biblical. It's very biblical. God's people created that prayer triangle. They prayed to God for another who was in need and that prayer was mightily answered. And I'll refer back to their reaction in a minute. And there are so many examples of intercession in, in Scripture. Jesus often positioned himself between people in need and his Father in heaven. In Luke 22, he prayed for Peter when he was weak. He said, I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. He stood in the gap for him when he was struggling. In John 17, we actually discover that Jesus 2,000 years ago prayed for us, stood in the gap for us, and he prayed that we might be one as he and the Father are one. That we might be one as he and the Father are one. Of course, the greatest and the most perfect picture of intercession is the cross. The greatest and most perfect picture of intercession is what Jesus did for us on the cross, wherein he stood in the gap between God and us, the gap that was brought about by sin. He stood in the gap. He paid the price. Sacrificing is all for us so that by faith we can become the righteousness of God. 
the ultimate and most perfect example of intercession. And the Bible says that one of Jesus' great roles in heaven now is to intercede for us before the Father. In fact, I reckon we're never more like Jesus than when we're interceding for others. I reckon we're never more like Jesus than when we are interceding for others. The Bible also tells us the Holy Spirit intercedes for us too. This is such an important thing. I would go as far tonight as to say that the Bible commands us to intercede for others. Prayer is definitely a command. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, and when you pray, not if, he said, and when you pray. Prayer is definitely a command, but I believe intercession as a form of prayer is also commanded. Via this scripture, 1 Samuel 12, verse 23. This has always hit me hard. It says this, far be it from me that I should sin against God by failing to pray for you. Far be it from me that I should sin against God by failing to pray for you. First Timothy 2 verse 1 says this, I urge you, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercessions be made for all. I urge you, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercessions be made for all. I believe it's a command to intercede for others. Now, there is a, there's a lot of debate about whether or not there is a gift of intercession. Scripture does not specifically mention a gift of intercession. And therefore, it's important to not make definitive spiritual statements about things that aren't mentioned clearly in Scripture. There's definitely a ministry in intercession, as First Timothy is, that I just quoted shows us that petitions, prayers, intercessions be made for all people. And the difficulty that can come with calling something a ministry of intercession is that a large part of the church starts to think that's for somebody else or those incredibly spiritual people who are just on a different league to me um, and it becomes something that is unattainable. All of us are called to intercede. Every single one of us, we're called to intercede, but there are some who are more willing to take up this ministry than others and in it hear from God. There are some, and they are more spiritually sensitive and aware of spiritual warfare. There are some who are more quickly moved with compassion to pray for others, who, who find that ability to pray with authority and confidence for extended periods of time and on a regular basis, see answers to prayer. My Aunt Vera is someone who comes into my mind when I think about the ministry of intercession and she takes it seriously. She's often woken in the night with a pain in her body and she finds this ability to be able to pray for extended periods of time for people she doesn't even know and this pain that they're experiencing. She often wakes in the night with a burden and finds the ability to be able to pray. 
Whenever, my, whenever Rachel was pregnant with our second kid, Reuben, Vera was woken on a number of occasions to pray for him because she felt it was, he was in danger in his mother's womb and she felt it was a spiritual thing. I, I'm so thankful to God for her. Actually, whenever I was in Bible college, <laughs> I had to do a field term, six-week field term every, every year. And the foreign field term that I did was six weeks in Kenya. And as part of that, we took a little break to do a safari and, and we went to the Maasai Mara. And we didn't have a lot of money, so we sort of roughed it a bit. And <laughs> the company that we paid to take us there, they weren't very good. It was all a bit shabby. And the first day we went out in the van and uh, it broke down. And we soon realized that the driver had no means of communication with the home base. So we very quickly then said to the driver, how are we going to get back to the home base? Because we were quite a significant distance into the Maasai Mara, which is obviously thousands of miles long and wide. And he said, we're going to have to walk back. <laughs> we said, what? We're going to have to what? We're going to have to walk back. Now, this guy was a Maasai warrior. I've never stuck closer to anybody in my whole life. Because this was about an hour's walk back through this game park to the home base. And we got back safe. He didn't see an animal. The next day, we were out in the truck again. Didn't break down this time. But we drove past a place that we had walked the day before. And we watched cheetahs take out and maul a gazelle. Um, whenever I got home, I, I told all uh, people about the story about us walking through the game park, and Vera stops me and she says, sorry, when was that? And we told her, and she worked it out in her head because she said, I was woken in the middle of the night to pray for you because you were in danger. And I go, my word, that's unreal. That's unbelievable that God, thousands of miles away, would wake and Vera to pray for us so that we would realize that it wasn't just a coincidence. We walked through that Maasai Mara and didn't see an animal, but it was him having his hand of protection upon us. It's just incredible. Now, is Vera different to any of us? No, she just takes seriously the ministry of intercession and she's found this ability to hear from God. And people can argue all they want about whether there's a gift or not. I've sort of made my thoughts clear that Vera's not worried about that. She's just taking seriously the ministry of intercession and making prayers, petitions, intercessions for all. And she's striving to be more like Jesus, the great intercessor. Now, I believe all of us can strive for this ability. But we need to be prepared to count the cost because there's a cost that comes with this ministry of intercession. And we thank God for the people in this church who have counted the cost and who have stood in this gap, the gap for this church over many years. All of us can position ourselves between someone who is in need and God in heaven who has the answer and pray for them. And let me quickly share two things that we can do before we come to pray with each other tonight. Firstly, when we intercede with people tonight and in an ongoing way, we should intercede with belief. Intercede with belief. If we are not praying, believing that God hears and answers prayer, it's just a religious exercise. Scripture shows there's power in prayer. 
James 5.16 says that the prayer of a righteous person is both powerful and effective. Belief that God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine will fuel our urgency and the passion by which we pray. Pray believing and with expectancy. Earlier we mentioned the people praying for Peter when he was in jail. And we all know the story that when he came back to the house, they didn't even go to the door to answer because they didn't believe that God would have answered their prayer. But in spite of that, he did answer their prayer. But when we pray, we should pray with belief and expectancy. But I want to say this, because this of course does not mean that our belief is something that we can use in some way to twist God's arm in some way to, to get everything that we want or when we want it. And we know that things don't work out that way. Our belief, however, is crucial because it shows that our focus in prayer is not upon ourselves. It's not upon the situation, but it's upon God. And that's the key thing in prayer. Because that sort of belief is going to increase our dependence upon him. And that is a great thing. So as we intercede for each other tonight and in an ongoing way, let's pray believing. Pray expectantly. Pray specifically and simply. Let me free us all tonight from the pressure of trying to be profound. <laughs> I couldn't care less. Who knows what great big theological words are what or not. This is heart stuff. Don't worry about praying a simple prayer that comes from the heart. Because a simple help from the depths of our heart to God can be so much more effective than 20,000 of the most profound theological terms. Let's pour out our heart to God for each other tonight. Jeremiah 33, verse three, God's telephone number, some people have called that, says, call unto me and I will show you great and mighty things. Second thing we should do when interceding for a situation is to persist and to keep praying. Persist and keep praying. Now, I know there are questions about prayer and I have theological questions about prayer because it can be confusing and some people have a difficulty with why we need to persist in prayer does God need to be reminded about stuff um, is he not already all-knowing does he not know what we're going to pray even before we actually utter the prayer and and whilst these questions can be real their, their answer is not really our problem the answer is God's problem <laughs> because he's the one who's asked us to persist. He's the one who's asked us to persist. Although like belief and prayer, I think persistence is more for us than it is for God, because again, it increases our dependence upon him. And that's a great place that we all want to find ourselves. The story of the persistent widow shows us that God wants us to persist in our prayers. So our response to that is not to question it and to wonder, why, why, why? It's to just be obedient and to persist and to keep praying and trust him. I guess the chief failure in prayer is its cessation. The chief failure in prayer is its cessation. 
Because if we get to a place where we stop praying, we miss out on so much of what God does because prayer also opens up our spiritual eyes to be able to see the amazing things that God is doing all around us. Winston Churchill famously visited Harrow School shortly after the Blitz and he made a speech and the, the part that is most famous is when he said this, never give in, never give in, never, never, never give in. And do you know what? We need some of that conviction when it comes to our, our intercession. No matter how long we've been praying or how big the situation that we never give in, that we never, ever, ever give in. Unless God's told us the answer is no, let's keep praying for a yes and never give in. Keep praying for that loved one who's sick. Keep standing in the gap for them. Keep praying for that prodigal. And I'm sure there's some people here and you've been praying for years and you've wondered, are your prayers hitting the scene? Keep praying for them. And never, ever, ever give up. So tonight's about intercession, positioning ourselves between a situation and God, standing in the gap. We've seen how biblical intercession is, how we need to take this vital ministry seriously. And we've challenged ourselves that when we intercede, let's do it with belief, let's do it with expectancy, let's do it with simplicity and with persistence.